And I'm going to read this from merriamwebster.com. In 1924, a group of European poets, painters, and filmmakers founded a movement they called Surrealism. Their central idea was that the unconscious mind, a concept Sigmund Freud had recently made famous, was the source of all imagination, and that art should try to express its contents. The unconscious, they believed, revealed itself most clearly in dreams. The surrealist painters included René Magritte, Joan Miro, and Salvador Dali, and we all know Salvador Dali, whose limp watches painting became the best-known surrealist image of all time. Since those years, we've used surreal to describe all kinds of situations that strike us as dreamlike. Hi, I'm Thomas Fox with Creative Mornings Cleveland. We're thrilled to have Evergreen Podcasts on board as our official podcast partner. Evergreen Podcasts is committed to producing the best original content and engaging shows. Right now, you're listening to Wake Up Call, recorded on location at the monthly Creative Mornings Lecture Series. Enjoy. Hi, I'm your host, David Allen Moss. Thanks for joining us. Wake Up Call is an opportunity to connect with the creative community and explore themes inspired by today's Creative Mornings Breakfast Lecture. It's at these monthly events that we invite attendees of the lecture series to join us for coffee and conversation full of -of out-of-the-box thinking to spark your imagination. Today, I'll be talking with Erin Geisel, Megan Sullivan, Corday Cardwell, and our special guest today is Ivan Schwarz, President and CEO of the Greater Cleveland Film Commission. And we'll be exploring some of the surreal together. I'm Erin Geisel. Well, what do you think when you hear the word surreal? I mean, is it uh, an experience? Is it a dream? Is it, does it, does, is it associated with a, a certain artist in your mind? I think surreal is an experience. You know, whether it's yeah. your own personal experience, if you're okay. somewhere and you're, the setting is surreal. Sure. Or if you are watching a movie and you think it's surreal or where a piece of music takes you. That's, that's for me, in my opinion, what surreal is. Talk a little bit about maybe some movies that make sure. you think surreal. Uh, you know, I, I always think of David Lynch. Yes. Lost Highway is one that is a standout for me. And I don't know what I, it is I love so much about all that. It's the combination of media. Yeah. And I mean, colliding. For me, anything with like big landscape, you know, more than if it's a city scene or anything sure. like that. Sure. Into the wild, you know, things yeah. like that. And what about this idea that maybe surreal is a little off putting or. I think the word surreal is exciting, and yeah, when you're busy right. and, and, and working on, like, great, give me anything surreal. <laughs> did, you, did you see the reboot of uh, Blade Runner? I did not. My goodness, talk about surreal, right? These austere mm-hmm. landscapes and aus- equally austere uh, soundtrack. The, so powerful that it just, for me, it was just gripping. You know, I think... It, they definitely exercise the, the power of that. Right. It's funny, the word itself, because, I mean, do you all ever feel, there's certain words out there where you feel like they get sort of overused? Yes. Or, That's so surreal. Right? <laughs> no, maybe it's just like kind of wild or right. fantastic. Or is it for just some on people. such a max level that I can't reach it? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'll never understand. Right. So surreal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we try to capture it. We try to like package it. Maybe it's a mechanism mm-hmm. as well as a response to things, right? Right. 
Surreal is a word I hear on a regular basis, but I wonder if we have a very good understanding of what it means. I think they want to take you somewhere else. Yeah. You're sitting there in a movie theater, you're watching something with everybody else, you're having this experience, but I want you to forget where you are, and I'm taking you there. And maybe bring you to the edge. So even Mm -hmm. Dolly, if you think about it, like, I'm going to look at that. And even surprisingly, when I first started to see Dolly, it seemed like such a huge world, and then you go into the museum and it's a nine by ten little print. Right. And you're like, wait a second, it can't be that small. This is infinite. And but he would kind of make you on in that uncomfortable way, like melting clocks and time and ants and what what? Right. Let's get back to what Merriam Webster was saying. Unconscious mind, imagination, dreams. So why are we talking about the artistic movement surrealism? Let's have a look at how the Oxford Dictionary defines our episode's theme. Surreal, adjective, having the qualities of surrealism, bizarre. It's kind of an odd definition. The very word is defined by the artistic movement. What makes this movement so important? Let's look at the early 20th century. The Industrial Revolution has happened and humanity's capacity for growth and development has increased exponentially. For the first time in history, more people live in cities than in rural areas, and many aspects of daily life are becoming systematized as a result. Henry Ford's assembly line revolutionized manufacturing. The traffic light was invented. Astronomer Edwin Hubble discovers that the universe is expanding and provides the basis for the Big Bang Theory. Albert Einstein won the Nobel Prize for his work in theoretical physics. Vitamin C and E were discovered. Penicillin and insulin were discovered. Systems, systems, systems everywhere. But that's it. When you think about our community where we live, you have that. We have that structure, that manufacturing. That's what this city was built on. Right. But then we have an insanely huge arts community. Right. And putting right. those two pieces they together. Kind of feed off one another, yeah. perhaps. It's right? kind of cool. I did this work all day. I, you know, was in this sort of box of this work all day. Now and I'm now gonna I'm gonna go. go and just let it go, go to the art museum, go to the orchestra, right. what have you. What about some of the prevalent philosophical systems of the early 20th century? While not new, humanism was alive and well. Humanism emphasizes belief in humanity's own agency, preferring critical thinking and evidence over both dogma and superstition. Specifically, thriving in the 20s and 30s was the philosophies of logical positivism and logical empiricism. According to Wikipedia, their central thesis was verificationism, a theory of knowledge which asserted that only statements verifiable through empirical observation are cognitively meaningful. That's a wordy and complicated way to express the polar opposite of surrealism. I think that's what is important to understand about the artistic movement and about what the word surreal is expressing when we use it. It's the unknown, the irrational, the mysterious, the out-of-body, the off-kilter, the wonder, the unexpected and unexplained that is surreal. The first known usage of the word surreal was in the 1930s. Maybe this is when the ideas that artists had been exploring for a few years started to become mainstream and act as a bit of a foil to rationalism. Everything seeks balance, right? Let's talk really quick about the mix of content on on the new streaming networks, on like HBO's network and uh, Netflix. I kind of feel like we're getting more and more surreal with our storytelling. There's so much more out there now that's the content that makes you think. 
you know, not your, it's not your law and order, you know, <laughs> problem, problem solved, <laughs> an ending, you know what I mean? The fantastic, unexplainable, and even the dystopian themes that blanket so much of our entertainment is surreal by definition. It's an exploration of what we have a difficult time wrapping our heads around, an imagining of what could be, but is not, or is it? Megan Sullivan. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and jump into the surreal deep end. For sure. So uh, first and foremost, I'm a classical musician. That's what, how I was trained. I went to the Baldwin Wallace Conservatory. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and now I play professionally as a classical musician, uh, weddings and with the Playhouse Square Orchestra, a couple other groups. When I was thinking of a song to play today, um, I knew it was going to be an original song. And I was trying to figure out a way to relate it to surrealism. And I know in art, it's really focused on letting your subconscious mind kind of lead the project. Yes. And I I decided yes. to do that with my song as well by only creating the first half of it ahead of time. Really, the rest of what I played was improvised. Oh, so wonderful. That I was improvisation. Yes. Yeah, wow. most of it was. <laughs> now, maybe you're onto something because all the different art forms we've talked about today, there's some real intentional choices and, mm -hmm. and steps we take to make even the most surreal painting, film, music feel natural. And maybe that's how it's even more unnerving. It's like, how can that be? It seems real, but... Mm -hmm. If you start a whole song or a whole artwork with uh, just, you know, wacky, out-of-the-box ideas, no one's really going to know kind of what the constructs are what you're kind of accomplishing, what you're breaking away from. But if you have something that's more of like a layout or something like a small idea to build upon, then, uh, you know, once you do kind of push the boundaries, people are like, oh, okay, that's new, that's different. It's a strange give and take because some of it, it has to be really structured in order to begin a project. But then, uh, you know, at a certain point, you kind of got to let go and let the creative juices overtake so that it can actually be something more organic and uh, fit the theme of today of surrealism. Corday, last name is Cardwell. I guess when I hear surreal, I think about kind of like a dream uh, meshing with reality uh, where, you know, you dream of an experience and then finally that experience becomes real. Some of the people that come to mind when thinking about surreal is like uh, Elon Musk. Um, because the stuff he's doing is so out there. Mm -hmm. Richard Branson's another one. Like oh, yeah, for sure. Jordan Peele as a director, he kind of takes stuff out of the box and, and does interesting things. Even like when I was in my master's program, I was running a video production company and we were shooting music videos. I remember being in a mansion in Miami with T-Pain um, and Flowrider, a music video that we were shooting, and I was just like, wow, this is This is, is this really happening, right. This is crazy, right. but I've done videos with Lil Wayne and several others, and, and so it's, it's all surreal that it, is, it happened, and now my, all my friends are in the industry, like, producing most of the major music videos you see out How now. How cool is that? Yeah. We were talking earlier about all the new shows on Netflix and HBO and how surreal some of these concepts are. And, you know, there's always a threat of uh, dystopian horror. <laughs> but, you know, uh, maybe we've gotten to where we realize, culturally, that we need to look to that edge. We need to look into what we might not understand and we're afraid of in order to, to grow. 
let's face it, some of the best discoveries come from letting go of what's real and what we know. We have to let go of what's real in order to discover something new. Those shows take you to the surreal worlds. Westworld, like, for example. Or Bird Box. Right, right. Right? So, you know, it's just a mechanism for creating the surreal. Like, yeah. we don't want reality all the time. Right. Reality is tough. So we want to visit a different world. Yeah. Do you think the platforms and the streaming phenomenon has put us in kind of a content renaissance? It's crazy how much demand yeah. for content there is. You know, we have Disney starting their own streaming. You, I just saw NBC is starting their own streaming. You have CBS Access. You have Hulu. You have all the terrestrial stations. You have Apple now. And, and we're, we're in that space with podcasting. It's unbelievable. Right, exactly. How flooded, and it just keeps flooding. Well, you've been in the trenches. You've been in the production hive. And one of the things that's surreal for me is at the end of a film, even a block, well, especially a blockbuster, but I like to stay for those credits. And that, to me, is surreal. The number of people involved, how does that even get coordinated? Can you talk about, that's got to be a little wild, just being in that, in the trenches, in it's, making a film. You know, it's, it's a collaborative medium. Right? There are a lot of people. It takes a lot of people to do their specific skill yeah. and pull it off and pull it off well so that we have the ability to look at what we're looking at on screen, like the Avengers or you right. know, some other you know, or TV show. So it's like uber teamwork. You have to stay in your lane. Well, or, the idea or, is it's collaborative. It's kind of like an operation, right? You know, a heart surgeon, and you got a whole room filled with people, and everybody knows when they're supposed to step in and do their particular part. Right. It's the, it's the same idea. It's fun when you work like with Captain America, you work so hard to get it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you have to meet with everybody and bring people in and none of it, like the attraction part, none of it's sexy. I mean, yeah, do you get to have dinner with the directors of the movies and stuff? Yeah, that's fine. But they're, at the end of the day, they're people, right? But what's kind of cool is taking a step back when they're shooting like on the shoreway and watching all the people watching. Like, you know, literally watching hundreds of people and watching, watching the, the prisoners from, from the, the jail, you know, with their stick, trying to stick their heads out the windows. So pe everybody was watching. And that was surreal. Same thing on Avengers where I would walk down at lunch and there would be 200 people just standing there wow. watching. And I found that surreal because I know where it started. And then to get to that point where now it's now a spectator sport, <laughs> I think is, is, is surreal and fascinating. We should always be thinking about what we can do big and better right. and not being afraid to fail. It's all about thinking big. Even the artists of the Renaissance period, okay, the da Vinci's were figuring out science. They were trying to find real answers, and yet they also were having to question those things, as, take it as far as they could off of that even though a lot of the art of that period was realism or, you know, we'd be talking about chiaroscuro. But the fact is, those guys had to be far out. They had to question all of the books and all of the philosophies that were right in the same plaza as they were with their ideas. So their art and science were sort of coalescing and challenging one another. I think that's pretty amazing. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the duality that the art and the science have to constantly challenge one another for these new discoveries to take shape. You guys, I love having you. This is our 13th episode. It's been amazing 
journey, and we just it's just getting started. I mean, here we are looking at 2019 through a different lens. Thanks for listening. Join us next month when we'll be talking about symmetry. Wake Up Call is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer and audio engineer Dave Douglas. Account manager Connor Standish. Thanks to 2Bob Crew for the use of their song Rooster. Go get it on iTunes and leave us a review and a bunch of stars while you're there. It really helps. You can learn more about this and other podcasts from Evergreen at evergreenpodcast.com. And I'm your host, David Allen Moss. Thanks for listening to Wake Up Call, ideas that crow. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.